Welcome to the Money Spot, the place where we answer your money questions. I'm your host, Heather Katsonga Woodward, and in this week's episode, Kimberly asks us a question about how to teach her children about managing money. Hi, Heather. My name's Kimberly. My husband and I have worked hard to build a financial safety net for our family. We both come from modest backgrounds and weren't taught much about money, so we've had to figure everything out on our own and made quite a few mistakes along the way. Do you have any tips we can teach our children on managing money so that they can make fewer mistakes than we did? Thanks, Kimberly. This is a brilliant question. And in addition to this response, definitely check out the show notes for some resources that are there to help you. As a mom myself, setting my children up for a healthy financial future is something I think about periodically. While every child is unique, from my personal experience and my experience of observing others, these are the nine things that I think help children grow up into good money managers that attract wealth into their lives. One, explain where money comes from at an early age. By the time a child is two or even earlier, they've created an image in their own minds of what money is and where it comes from. Your child might think it comes from your wallet or from the hole in the wall, from some machine, or perhaps even that the plastic thing in your wallet has unlimited purchasing power. What you want your children to believe and know from an early age is that money comes from work. Whether you're employed, self-employed or an entrepreneur, in order to earn money, some kind of effort has had to take place and that effort, be it pleasant or unpleasant, is called work. When I was growing up, my father was a business person and my mother was employed and they showed me two different types of work. Although they both went to work physically every day, one, my mom, was generally free to enjoy weekends, although many nights were occupied by trawling through her in-tray, which she brought home from work. The other, my dad generally enjoyed free evenings, but spent weekends overseeing his business ventures. These were my examples, and your children will observe the type of work that their immediate family is engaged in. Two, explain that you have had to save for the things that you buy. When you bring a new expensive purchase home, like a TV or a sofa, your child might, in their own mind, think that these purchases just happen, that they don't involve much effort on your part. To take away any such thinking, I always tell my son that mommy and daddy had to save for the thing, and I explain how long we had to save for it. In reality, sometimes I just stretch the truth. For example, if we're working ahead of our saving plan, I might just save less in any given month and get what I was planning to get later now. For example, two months into COVID-19 lockdown, our 13-inch TV broke, so we replaced it with a 65-inch TV. Very extravagant, I know. And I told my son that mommy and daddy had to save for a whole year to get the TV. And lo and behold, a whole month later, he remembers how long we had to save for that TV. That surprised me when he, when he remembered that. He may not understand fully what the whole saving process entails, but that information is sitting in his five-year-old head and is setting an expectation for himself. That expectation being when he wants something, he needs to save for it appropriately. Three, 
Make your children practice delayed gratification. Delayed gratification is difficult even for adults, but I believe that the more it's practice, the less painful it gets. Because things were very expensive in Malawi where I grew up, my parents only bought us things, including some basic necessities, when they went abroad, which wasn't all that often, perhaps every four to six months, sometimes longer. So I often had to wait many, many months to get what I want. Living in England, everything is so much more accessible, but I tell my children that they can get what they want on their birthday or Christmas, whatever comes first. This means that whenever they want something in shops, I can just say, add it to your birthday list or Christmas list, and it helps. As I'm writing this article, saying this podcast, my five-year-old son is watching a YouTube video that's marketing Paw Patrol toys to him left, right, and center. He's asked for a dozen or so things, and because of my usual add it to your Christmas list spiel, he's writing a very long list to Santa and getting some much-needed writing and spelling practice in the process. Win-win. Four, don't give your children more money than they need. I remember when I was in boarding school from about the age of 11, my father made me write a list of all the things I needed for the coming term. Then I'd get some money to go and buy those things before I was dropped off at school. Snacks, feminine hygiene products, stationery, that sort of thing. On top of this, he gave me a very basic allowance for buying the odd donut from the tuck shop. This taught me two things. Firstly, how to plan for my needs in three-month chunks at a time, which is a lot of planning for an 11-year-old. And secondly, it taught me how to resist the temptation to buy too many things from the tuck shop too early in the term for fear my money would run out. I hate to say it, and I'm embarrassed to say it, but I also became an expert at getting people to treat me at the tuck shop. And when I say people, I mean the guys. Fortunately, they were genuine friends and nothing other than my friendship was expected in return. My negotiation skills probably got a lot of flex in the process. How does one ask without sounding like you're begging? I could do a course on that. Though a peers in high school receiving five or more times the pocket money I did, and I'll admit readily that I was jealous at the time, but with hindsight, I can see my father's wisdom in giving us no more pocket money than we needed. He didn't want to set unrealistic expectations for me and my sisters. Five, don't give your children an expectation that you'll bail them out. If you rescue a child financially, that robs them of a lesson and it also robs them of any incentive to behave responsibly next time. If your child finds themselves in debt, by all means, help them write a plan to get themselves out of debt, but avoid paying the debt off for them because that will definitely not be the last time that you're doing it. I watched a friend of mine work diligently over 18 months to pay off quite a lot of debts that her mother could have cleared for her at the click of a button. The person that emerged at the end of those 18 months was miraculously different. Not only was she debt-free, but she cut up her credit cards because her experience of paying them off taught her that the pleasure of the purchase was not worth the pain of paying the loan off. She now only buys what she saved for, and that was a great thing her mom did, and I would hope to be as strong as her mom was when I know I've got the money to clear a problem. Six. Don't lend your children money interest-free for anything. Maybe for a deposit on a house, but even that's debatable. 
Each time I've asked my dad to lend me money, he's agreed to lend it to me, but at a commercial Malawi rate of interest. Now, interest rates in Malawi have tended to be between 25 and 35%. So I haven't taken him up on his offer and have instead borrowed money commercially from UK banks. Although I am annoyed at the time, I am, again in hindsight, grateful for this approach because it's let me own my property project and made my successes feel like they're 100% and truly my own and my husband's. It's forced me to plan and be prudent about how I will spend money. I plan to take the same approach with my children. I will make them take full responsibility for their plans and projects. And if I do invest with them, it will be on a commercial basis. They should own their successes. I owe it to them. Seven, don't create an expectation that there will be a large inheritance. The need to make a living gets many people out of bed every single morning. Those that know they don't need to work to earn frequently don't bother. Why would you go through the pain of forcing yourself up and out of bed if you don't have to? I heard a pretty interesting statistic from the money guy on YouTube. Apparently, 68% of Americans expect to receive an inheritance, but only 40% of parents expect to leave one. And I bet some of those 40% of parents that will leave an inheritance are leaving it to the 32% of children that aren't expecting it. Who do you think is working hard to set themselves up for a good life and retirement? The 68% that expect an inheritance or the 32% that don't? I'll let you answer that question. My children are too young to talk inheritance, but when they are old enough, they're going to know full well that me and my husband plan on spending the money quite liberally before that final call. Eight, be a good example. This is probably the most important. The way you handle money will inform your children's behavior around money massively. Your actions normalize money behaviors for children. Do you buy on impulse or plan your purchase? Are you frugal or a spendthrift? Are you anxious about money or are you just sensible without making it a thing? If you never talk about money, then don't be surprised if your kids turn out to be the type of adults that don't deal with their money issues at all. They might just pretend the issues don't exist and pretending an issue doesn't exist does not make the issue go away. Whatever it is you do, your children are watching and they're learning. Teach them to acknowledge how much they have relative to many others. A healthy sense of gratitude may help with any sense of discontentment, you know, because Peter has more toys, more shoes, or a better phone than I do. I know we adults, myself included, struggle with comparison to the Joneses constantly ourselves. Finally, nine, teach your children the basic concepts of money. I see the basics of money as coming in four categories. Category one is the uses of money, giving, spending, saving, and investing. Category two is where money comes from, that is the sources of money, work, business, property, and lending. Three is budgeting concepts, and four is the concept of balance sheets, that's assets, liabilities, and equity. If your child leaves home knowing just these things, they are well ahead of their peers and are more than likely to win with money. Here's an example of what I mean. If you like what you're about to hear, get the workbook 
B-School for Money-Wise Wealth-Bound Kids. It's available in nine languages and there is a link in the show notes for you. Okay, Chester, quick fire questions. If I give you some money, what can you do with it? <coughs> give it away, spend it or invest it. And before you can invest it, what do you need to do? Save it. Can you use your normal voice? Save it. And where do we save money? In the bank account. Why don't we save money in our house? Uh... Because rats won't eat it with flood. You need to use the voice that Mrs. Sergeant would hear. Uh, a rat might eat it, a flood might push it away, and a fire might damage it. That's exactly right. Do we uh, invest all of the money that we save? No, that's a very bad thing to do. Why don't you invest all the money you save? What do you What do you keep some for? Emergency money, like if anything you are. House got broken. It's broken. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't be cause. Emergency or? Uh, or a rainy day. A rainy day is... What's a rainy day? It's when your boss is... The microphone can't hear you. Can you come say into the microphone? What's a rainy day? It's when your boss says, we don't need you anymore. It's too rainy. And what do we call money that's saved up for an emergency? Emergency money. And what do we call money that's saved up for a rainy day in your normal voice? Rainy day money. But the first one was uh, emergency money. Yeah, you got that right already. Now, son, we're going to go into part two of this interview. How can you earn money? How can you bring money into your life? Uh, work, invest in properties and invest in businesses and work. Or lending. Or lending. Exactly right. Now, what's lending? Can you explain what lending is to me? It's when you give, like, if you give someone 100, then they give you 120 back. That's exactly right. And uh, what's investing in property? What sort of property can you buy? <coughs> you... <coughs> in your normal voice? You... You of... can buy a, a, a house, house, house shop, office, land. If you don't want a new... Uh, and what do you do if you don't want to build on the land or, or, or anything? Let's let someone use it. And what do you call the person that's using your property? Uh, your renter. And what do they pay you? Every month. Rent! And what do they call you, the person that's letting someone use a landlord? That's exactly right. And my mummy's speaking all of the questions, and she's going to have seven renters soon. Don't tell anyone that. Now, was is it better to be a lender? Is it better to be a lender or? That was just a joke. What I just said. Thank you. Is it better to be a lender or a borrower? Uh. It's better to be a lender because the borrower is slave to the lender. What's an entrepreneur? Someone who organises ideas into their businesses by taking financial risk. And what's financial risk? It's when you have a chance, you're going to lose your money. That's exactly right. 
You've done very well in part two. Let's go to part three. What's budgeting? It's where you tell. It's when. It's when you tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it. And if I have ten, what's a good budget? How much uh, in a bad budget? How much do I save? At zero. And how much do I give in a bad budget? Uh, one. No, zero as well. Zero. How much do you spend in a ba bad budget if you've got ten? Ten. Yeah, you spend it all. In a good budget, how much do you spend? Uh, oh, sorry. How much do you save? Let's start with saving. One. And how much do you give out of ten? One. And then that, how much is left to spend if you've... If you've used Eight. That's very good maths. <laughs> and is it better to save more or save less? Uh, save more. Yes, exactly right. Now, we're going to the last part now. What's an asset? Something what you own, what takes money to your bank account. That brings money to your bank account. What brings money to your bank account. How about a liability? This is the last question. What is a liability? It's something what takes money out of your bank account. Something that you own that takes money out of uh, your bank account. Something what you own that takes money out of your bank account and, I, and I'm never going to buy it. Exactly. Because some people buy cars by borrowing money. So that's a liability for them, isn't it? Because it takes money out of their bank account every month. Now, do you remember what equity is? We haven't learned that. Uh, you're right, we haven't learned that. It's when you add up all your assets and take away all your liabilities. The money that you have left is called equity. Add up all your assets. Add up all of your assets. Take away all your liabilities. Take away all of your liabilities. And then you have equity left. Equity is what you actually own. Okay. And then you have That's what we'll start learning next. And then you have equity left. Chester, you have done very well. Well done. Not bad for a five-year-old. If you want to get the workbook, which actually teaches money management using coloring in. That's how me and Chester did it. We used coloring in, just sitting next to each other, enjoying some quality time, 10 to 15 minutes a week. Get B-School for money-wise, wealth-bound kids. Links in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to ask me a personal finance question, please type themoneyspot.co.uk into your address bar and you'll be redirected to the exact page on my website where you can ask a question. There are three things I would love you to do. Why don't you have a look at my eBooks or courses? My property course is the top rated UK course on Udemy for people who want to begin to invest in property. My notes to debt freedom give you an A to Z guide on how you can go from debt to zero debt. And finally, my workbook, B-School for Money-Wise, Wealth-Bound Kids, will be a fun book that you and your kid can go through together to start teaching them all the common sense things they need to know about money so that they never, ever struggle with debt. The second thing I'd love you to do is to please rate me five-star on Apple Podcast. And if I don't yet deserve your five-star, please send me a message and let me know how I can earn your five-star rating. And finally, if you're just loving what you're hearing and the value I'm putting out there, look into the show notes and buy your girl a coffee.
thank you. Have a great day. Listen.